Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Coming up on in-flight snack, just wild. The Jets obviously can't get out of their own way as usual. So me and Bilal broke it down talking about what is going on with the Jets mess as a bombshell article comes out from The Athletic and Diana Rossini and Zach Rosenblatt. I don't think Robert Sala is going anywhere, but it seems like this organization is truly dysfunctional. We break it all down, went through the article, talked about what the Jets can do without actually having to fire anyone because I don't think anyone's getting fired. So what can they do to change the mood going into next season? All that and a whole lot more coming up next on In Flight Snacks. Stay tuned. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. The big game is finally here. Bet Online is your number one source for playoff football, odds, stats, trends, and lines with everything from the point spreads to hundreds of player performance props, with dozens of odds, props, and info on hundreds of sports, events, po- politics, and entertainment. You can access the world's best wagering information anytime from desktop or mobile devices. Head to Bet Online today. To stay updated on all the action, bet online. The game starts here. Third line ready. The snap clean, the placement down, the kick is up, and the kick hooks to the left, but it's gone! He's got the angle. He's got blockers. Powell working the sidelines. Powell goes all the way. Touchdown, Jets. Yo, it's Quinn Williams here, and you listen to In Flight Snack on the Believe Podcast Network. Let's make sure we play like the New York Jets. Let's go to eat a damn snack. Welcome back to In-Flight Snack, a New York Jets podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. My name is Rami Lavi, and across from me, that is Coach Bilal Powell. Bilal, congrats on the new gig. Tell us about that. Man, I uh, appreciate it. Uh, you know, it's definitely a, a, a prestigious school here in, in Louisville, Kentucky. It's, it's, you know, a blue ribbon school. Uh, it's a collegiate preparatory school, private all boys, powerhouse here in Kentucky play a national schedule. I just thought it was the, the perfect opportunity to really get my foot in the door in coaching. And, you know, I'm excited to get started. Well, it's, from what I can tell, just talking football with you sometimes, you probably are a great coach. I've never been coached by you. But um, what is your role going to be? What capacity are you going to be coaching in uh, at the school? Tell us about that a little bit. I'll, I'll be helping coordinate the offense and obviously working out with the running backs. And, you know, obviously I'll probably dab into some special team stuff. But, you know, just assisting the coaching staff, uh, you know, Coach Wallace, who's been around for almost 40 years here in Kentucky, you know, a guy who won six, seven state titles. Uh, his kids, his son is actually on staff at University of Louisville, tight ends coach. He's been, he's been around the game. So it's just a football family and 
I'm, I'm excited to get started with him and, you know, obviously my knowledge that I have for the game, be able to pour it into the boys. That's awesome. And, I mean, I'll say this right now. This is a good transition. The Jets might need a coach. Sounds like they for sure might need an offensive coordinator. But we might be talking about a head coach in a couple of days because this article, this bombshell that dropped from Diana Rossini and Zach Rosenblatt on The Athletic. And if you're not aware, uh, this is what happens when you, you know, you, when I sent this to you, you're like, yeah, you're not shocked. This is what this organization is like. Uh, So I want to get into it in a minute. But just overall, taking a step back, when you have 30 sources basically coming out um, and some are inside the building, some are not, and just disparaging the entire coaching staff and the entire way the organization is run in this deep, deep hit piece. What's your initial reaction to that if you're in that locker room? Honestly, it's been going on for years now. It's been going on. And honestly, I think it's time to do something about that. But in order to do something about that, you have to make sure you get to the root of the problem. And I just don't think the New York Jets have gotten to that. And and we've seen now witnessing 13 consecutive seasons without a playoff appearance. Something needs to be done within the building. And, you know, you're moving all these pieces around, but yet you have been able to put your finger on the, the root of the problem. So my biggest thing is get to the root of the problem. I don't know who that may take. It may take uh, the, the boss man to move some pieces around in the office, maybe clear out the, I don't know, go back to Long Island. I don't know what it is, is but they need to get to the root of the problem. Man. Yeah, move back to Long Island, although I'll never go to a Jets game again, probably, because Long Island is the furthest place on earth. But I just want to read a few pieces of the article. And, and just from the opening, I mean, the Athletics spoke to 30 sources in and around the Jets organization. So that 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 tells you 30 sources. First of all, Diana Rossini and Zach Rosenblatt do great work, and I don't think they're lying. Um, The 30 sources is a lot. That's a lot of people that are, you know, confirming the same stories, right? This is not just one person. And the biggest takeaway for me was the coaching staff because they talked a little bit about Rodgers, but it sounded like they talked to Zach and his party, and they weren't so thrilled with Aaron Rodgers, and I'm not shocked about that, and we'll get to that in a minute. But as far as the coaching staff, you ask what the big man, what the boss man can do. I don't know. Like, is it too late in the offseason now to be firing and looking for a new head coach to be firing an entire staff? We know there's still three great options available with Mike Rabel, with Bill Belichick, with Pete Carroll. We talked about this last week, right? So is it too late to fire an entire coaching staff like Robert Sala and his staff? Because it sounds like there may be no coming back from the things that were said in this article. And you know, next time Salah talks to the media, he's going to be asked about these things. And by the way, from what I've seen him answer the media in the past, I think he's going to give terrible answers. He's not going to do a very good job uh, answering for himself. So what do you think the Jets can do if there's a move to be made? I think I definitely think you can move around the coaching staff. It's, it's the off season. And right now, everyone's focusing on the senior bowl and, they're prepping for the combine and pro day. So it gives you plenty of time to, if you decide to clear out the coaching staff, get coaches in. You know, maybe you interview a couple guys right now, assistant coaches, to see if they're qualified for the position. Maybe you keep a couple around. I don't know, but I, there's definitely enough time right now in the offseason to search for a head coach and a new staff if you decide to go in that direction. 
Yeah, and one of the guys who's actually kind of immune was Joe Douglas. It's, uh, it didn't say anything negative. It just said that he was the assistant GM to Aaron Rodgers being the GM. But hey, if Aaron Rodgers is the GM anyway, so you don't have to worry about getting a head start on the offseason because Rodgers is already with the organization. He's not going anywhere. Um, so I'm like I said, I'm going to read a few quotes, and, and this is just... Um, those sources described a team riddled with excuse making, a paranoid head coach, an ill-equipped offensive coordinator, an organizational tunnel vision on the quarterback that rubs some teammates the wrong way. So first of all, I mean, this is nothing new from us. Like I told you, Robert Sala was full of excuse making. He always made excuses for his team. And this is what I talked about. There's no accountability because when you're making excuses for yourself and for your team, why do you expect the team to hold themselves accountable, right? Mm-hmm. And when you talk about paranoid, you you, you definitely don't want to be described as a, a paranoid coach. Like, what does that even look like from that perspective? Uh, being a guy that's in charge of a team, uh, people noticing paranoia. I, I don't know. Maybe he got to a point where he couldn't trust anything because so much was going on that he could not control in the building. But just from a player standpoint, when you hear those things, would you want to stay in an organization like that? You ask yourself. Even even Aaron Rodgers, we we've, we've already talked about him and what he said about the organization not being a good organization, and it's falling back to what it knows when the big piece didn't come in and fix what the problem was. Right? Aaron was the big piece that was supposed to fix everything. It didn't happen, so it almost seemed like the organization went back to what they know, and that was just like undisciplined football. Uh, sources getting out now that we find out again sources getting out guys now getting on social media no kind of like accountability when you talk about that and and it's good because you have three pro bowlers but forget the pro bowlers if you're not winning the games right and and we we've seen the the unbalanced of okay yeah three defensive pro bowlers so the defense is not the problem so for me i think this is the easiest problem that you can fix when one side of the ball is already fixed, is already you don't have many. We know that we have to target the O line. We we have our quarterback. Go get one. Like it's not how it's not like we have to come in and rebuild from ground up. There's just a couple pieces that we need to get right as an organization, and everyone in that building is getting paid. And all you have to do is your job to bring in the pieces to help this team win games. And let's not put all our eggs in one basket with Aaron Rodgers again. Let's go out and get a quarterback that can help us win if he goes down. Or let's go out and build a roster that if any starter goes down, that the next man can jump in and not be so noticed of the drop-off in talent. Another guy that stayed immune in this whole system was Jeff Ulbrich, like you said. So, yeah, Jeff Ulbrich, the defensive side, wasn't really talked about that much. Uh, but Robert Sala, like you said, is paranoid. And how does that manifest itself? So I just want to read a little bit here because a few things, how he's paranoid came up um, and some of the stuff you mentioned with what, what, what went on behind closed doors. So, you know, it was funny because I remember the thing before Hard Knocks was he's like, I'm authentic. I only know how to do this one way. This is just who I am. I'm not going to, you know, be someone else for the cameras. And then this comes out where it's like he was the most inauthentic, probably phony guy in the world where he his whole thing is positive vibes. His whole thing was talking up Zach Wilson. He never talked down about him behind, you know, in front of the media. He loves his players on the sideline. He's always smiling. So this goes on to say, though, but behind closed doors, the vibes weren't always positive, especially when Salah would see negative press reports. And this is 
where this is just typical like paranoid person. He's like, he would often bring up how in his mind, the Giants don't get as much negative coverage as the Jets calling it unfair. First of all, if you call it something unfair, I hate that. It's like, oh, it's out of my control. It's not fair. You know what I mean? Change it. You want to change the narrative, change the narrative. In the, after, in the aftermath of the Rodgers injury, Salah bemoaned his bad luck, saying like, oh, woe is me, which is also pathetic. Like, no, you got to make the most of what you have. Throughout his tenure, he often wondered aloud if he was doomed to the same fate as Vic Fangio, a brilliant defensive coach cursed by misfortune at quarterback. Fangio was fired by the Broncos in 2021 after three seasons and a 19-30 and 30 record despite building an elite defense. Salah's Jets... And his elite defense ranked number one in 2023 by PFF or 18 and 33 in his three seasons as head coach. So he's basically comparing himself to that saying like, oh, I'm doing my job. It's just the offensive side that's not doing its job. Well, you're the head coach, so you're responsible for both. Sorry. Um, as the Jets lost games and struggled to score points, job security seemed to be Salah's primary concern. He wished Johnson or Rodgers would publicly endorse him for 2024. Now you wonder why they endorsed him so early in the season, right? We talked about that, how they endorsed him three games before the season was over and the timing seemed odd. Well, if this guy was running around more concerned about his coaching security than he was actually concerned about winning football games, it makes sense that Johnson and Salah were like, okay, we just have to end this. We just have to figure out a way to not make him so focused on himself anymore and maybe get him back to focused on the team. And that way we can stop endorsing him. Does that make sense? Like that's why they endorsed him three games before the season was over because this guy apparently was more focused on that than anything else. I think the biggest, the biggest issue with that is understanding that there, I mean, that defense was arguably one of the best defenses in the franchise history. And yeah, and from his standpoint, you can only do so much as a coach, just like you can only do so much as a player. And I think when I watched his interviews and I seen some of the statements that Robert Sala uh, made about Zach Wilson throughout the season, it just seemed like he was, it was out of his control. The the decision of starting Zach, um, the decisions of making good comments about Zach, and I think it kind of caused an issue. And I and I made this statement and I told you, I said, if he continues to, and, and you you made it as well, if he continues to back Zach Wilson and say, well, Zach is doing what he's supposed to do, he's doing it, you know, and you're pointing fingers in other directions, you're going to cause issues with your team. And being a coach who is a player's coach or considered a player's coach, there's only so much you can do. There's only so much you can do. And, you know, I told you about it being so uncomfortable when you start losing. When you start um, pointing fingers, the comments come, the un the unnamed sources come, the, the personalities start to clash, and it just builds tension around it. And not only to say that from a coach's to player's standpoint, but even as a, a on the coaching staff, like at what point does Robert Sala look at um, the offensive coordinator and say, hey, dude, what are we doing? Like, what's up with the game plan? Like, take some accountability. And I just felt like, I, I, I kind of felt bad for Robert at one point in time because I felt like he was controlled. He was not controlled. I would say that a lot of things were out of his control in, de in decision-making.
you mentioned Zach Wilson, how he always talked about Zach glowingly in public. That was one of the things here where it's like, he always bagged Zach publicly, but privately, the coach pinned many of the team's offensive issues on Wilson, meaning he's blaming Zach Wilson for the team's issues privately. And he actually said, this is crazy. He said, he, uh, getting to eight wins with Wilson at quarterback would be a quote miracle, which is a quote from the head coach. If you're telling people in your building that if we get to eight wins with our current quarterback, it would be a miracle. Like, how does that make the rest of the room feel? Right now, everyone, you're supposed to be confident. You're supposed to be, go out there. And not only that, if I'm like Alan Lazard and I hear the coach saying, because we talk so much about Alan Lazard being a bust this year, why am I going to work to prepare? Why am I going to work to play hard? Why am I going to work to go do my job on Sundays if my coach says, well, it's a miracle if we win eight games? Like, how does that make me feel about actually the prospects of this season? It's a lost season. Like, it, like Salah conceded the season before it started. I mean, honestly, that's just the coach saying, hey, we're, we're pretty much playing with the hand that we're dealt. <laughs> but you know you but play with the hand that you're dealt and go try and win football games don't tell me oh it's a miracle if we'd nah, win eight that, games but honestly that's just him saying and then again go to the media and say no oh matter what, he's not even playing. struggling he's doing really well. well like i told you there's only so much you can do as a coach if your player is not a player then you know you have to find yourself in that situation and being in command you have to take a root of all you have to take a, a majority of the blast and, and and but yet you still have to be the leader for your team. And for him to say that to Allen, uh, I'm assuming that's what you said in, in the statement, right? No, well, I don't know if he said it to Allen in particular, but he's probably said it across. The, it was said, and it was said. People knew that this was something that that's that probably saying, saying our quarterback sucks. Hey, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, and I can't do nothing about it. I can't do anything about it. I can't and go how out. How do you and think get, Zach feels? I can't by go the out way. and get it. How do you think I Zach mean, feels? If, we already if, know how he media, felt. He didn't want to yeah. play, remember? He didn't exactly. want to play. So I'm sure those comments got back to him. Like, that's why I told you. It, it'll all start to break down when you start losing. Like, you have to go with Zach. Yeah, go with Zach. But at the end of the day, um, you talk about, I, I, I told you, you mentioned it. You mentioned it. Well, what if it's, what if it's Rodgers that's forcing him not to go get a quarterback so that he can come back? Like, why would you go get a star quarterback that can help this team win and then you're forced to look around and say, well, we actually don't need you anymore, Rogers. Like, there's so much that goes into it that's behind the doors. That's, that's just on the business side or management side that Robert could not control. Like, if he was able to go out and get a quarterback, I guarantee you he would have went out and got a quarterback. But it was someone else that made the decision not to. And he pretty much is telling his players or whoever it is, this source that came out and said it is, I'm sorry, if we get the eight wins, that's a blessing for us. <laughs> and that's pretty much saying, I'm out of, I can't go get a quarterback. I know our quarterback sucks. No matter what game plan we have, he's just not that that guy for this, this system. And I'm sorry. Yeah. And one of the things they talked about was when Rod when Zach didn't want to play anymore, he basically went to Rogers because Salah knew that he couldn't convince him. To play. So he went to Rogers and said, Hey, can you convince him to play? And at that point, Zach had already kind of turned on Rogers because Zach was like, Hey, I'm the starting quarterback. And yet this whole thing is still about Rogers. And Zach didn't like the way that Salah talked in every press conference glowingly about Rogers when he was, you know, kind of undermining him and talking down on Zach Wilson. 
and I get that from Zach's perspective. Like, I see you talking about this guy so much. Even from day one, the way he fawned over Rodgers, right? You see it on Hard Knocks. He's like, God, what a throw, right? Like that, like my father, I remember when we watched him, my father was like, I hate that. Like, you're the head coach. Act professional. Act like you've seen a guy play quarterback before. And you're acting like this guy's like otherworldly. You're supposed to be the coach. You're supposed to be the authority figure. And you're acting that way. Of course, if I'm someone else in the room and I see the coach acting that way, you never saw Bill Belichick act that way about Tom Brady. He'd rip him on the sideline, you know? Like, you never see Andy Reid go to, over to Patrick Mahomes and be like, oh, my God, I'm in awe of Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, but, like, you know, Rami, I, but I've been in rooms where I've seen coaches, like, pump up running backs. But that did not that did not change my mindset of going in and performing when I needed to. I mean, the same cut that I make... It's, it's crickets. And he go out and make the same cut and his, and, his, and his praise and his all this. But I put that in the back of my mind. and, and, and But that can't feel good. It, it, it doesn't. But at the end of the day, it's a maturity thing. Like it's, it's definitely a maturity thing where there's some comment going on in the coaching staff of this guy being my guy. Make sure we this is our guy. Like I remember, um, I remember solely remember having one of the best games of my life, averaging the right nine nine yards a carry. And I had a package. And I was so successful in that package that next week that running back was in that package. You don't think he went and complained because he wasn't getting the the praise and the highlight in the team meeting for the team ball and all these different things. And and I watched these guys who have to like have their ego stroked. I don't have to. I'm a man. When my opportunity comes, I perform. That lets you know the maturity level. If that was the the case for Zach Wilson, that's the maturity level that we're dealing with with a quarterback playing in New York City. And that that personality, that mindset does not fit in New York. And let's be honest, you cannot play with that mindset, that mentality, that maturity level in New York City as a as a franchise quarterback that has been given chance after chance and yet have has not been able to perform and, and turn a corner in his career. So basically what you're saying is there's organizational dysfunction and it's on the players to overcome it. And that's the problem. You're giving 53 guys another task because not everyone's going to be mature like you are. Not everyone's going to handle it that way, especially some guys who got paid. Some got like, you know, there's there's issues that go across the board. And and they talked about this where, where um I mean, some of the stuff in here, and we'll get back to Salah in a minute, but some of the stuff here where Zach, uh, Garrett Wilson was saying how he he felt like the team never made adjustments. He felt like um, the the offensive coordinator, Nate Hackett, punted on the season the second Rodgers went down, wasn't even trying. Like During the game, there was a couple of things. One was uh, during training camp, he never watched any film. He was like, ah, Rodgers will figure it out. And he was like, somebody was shocked at how little film Nate Hackett watched during training camp, like when you're supposed to be preparing during the preseason. He watched barely any film of practice. And then the other thing he said but was... let's be honest. Do you, think, do you not think Nathaniel Hackett said, well, I have Aaron Rodgers. I can relax a little bit. I don't have to coach yeah, Zach Wilson. exactly. Plus, he's the commander. He's another coach on the field. His experience. This is his offense. And then as soon as his thing went downhill... He didn't know what to do, and it felt yeah, but like you're the coach. Your job. This is what we talked about. They punted yeah. on the season. This is confirming everything we said, but and we've said all system. along. But it's a buddy system, and I told you about this. I'm gonna be honest, and I and I keep it 100 real with you, Rami. There's guys in the NFL. There's guys 
all across the board from every level, from Pop Warner, high school, college, NFL, that are not good coaches. They're just buddies of guys who are in position to put them in that position to coach. Guys do not know. I've been a part of some staffs where guys do not know what they're talking about. And the only reason they're in the room is because they have a buddy that's a part or somebody that vouched for them. In this case, Peyton Manning said something to, to Woody Johnson or yeah, and there, Johnson. And there are coordinators. Let's be honest. There are coordinators and there are assistant coaches getting coordinating jobs because of players. And then when they get this this time to shine as coordinators or there, or there are guys who get uh, certain jobs because of a head coach. That's the same thing. Like guys aren't, some guys aren't qualified to be in certain positions that they're in, but because of a player who was successful in their career and they send in their resume and they sit down and say, well, I, I coach this guy, this guy. Well, it's not hard to coach Peyton Manning. It's not hard to coach Drew Brees. It's not hard to coach Tom Brady. So when you have that on your resume, do you really know football or did you just piggyback off the greatness of those guys? How many times do we see it? I mean, Bill O'Brien and uh, Josh McDaniels and all these guys. And I mean, we've seen it in New England a thousand times. Like, well, no, maybe they have the greatest coach. Even with Eric Bieniemy, we're seeing it now where the Washington offense was kind of a mess this year. And everyone talks about why is he not getting a head coaching job? Why is he not getting a head coaching job? Well, Bieniemy was working under Andy Reid. He was the go-between between Reid and Mahomes. How much do you think was actually going through Eric Bieniemy, and how much do you think was coming from Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes? You know what right. I mean? And, and, so, and that's what I'm saying. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, like, that's the truth. The other thing, though, but there's some things that are so basic where it's like you almost gave up. Like, they said in the Cowboy game, they won uh, one of the, the offensive line coach kept telling, kept asking, I should say, Nate Hackett to give help to Dwayne Brown on the left side because he was getting crushed all day by Micah Parsons and you refuse to adjust. So not making adjustments like what you're waiting for Aaron Rodgers to make those adjustments. They said the offense actually got a little bit better once Rodgers was back on the headset because Hackett was almost like scared of him and would listen to him. So none of that's surprising to me. And I think that that's not as much of an issue if Rodgers is out there, but it's still like the, like you'd expect him to have some sort of level of competence, even without Rodgers. And to hear that there was zero competence without him is just kind of, upsetting I, I wouldn't say it's shocking or surprising it's just upsetting now i want to get back to salah for a minute because we talked about him being paranoid and this was crazy so remember we we talked about this when rogers went on the mcafee show and he said we need to get to the bottom of the, the leaks right and we need to talk about the leaks right we need to talk about who's who's leaking stuff and it's kind of funny because now we have a 30 person leak in in the media um but remember we talked about that right Rogers, yeah, so everywhere. Oh my god, exactly. I I never, I never, never heard anything. 30 30 sources. So when Uh, Rogers said that, apparently on McAfee, uh, this and I'm reading again that sent Salah into a tailspin. The coach held a meeting with his staff two days later where he asked the leaker to reveal himself. According to multiple people in attendance, he said, If you come forward now, you won't get in trouble. Like that is like threatening. That's like a child. That's like what you say in a classroom to children. And you're saying that to a bunch of grown men to your staff. And then he said he was threatening to take away their cell phones. Salah was threatening to check who the leak is. He was threatening to take away their cell phones. Staffers were bemused by Salah's obsession with the Wilson story and his reaction to it. The uncertainty around the 2024 season lingered until Rodgers publicly endorsed Salah and Douglas a few days before a Week 16 game against the Commanders on Christmas Eve. Before the game, Johnson told New York Post, 
that Salah and Douglas would both be returning. And until that point, he was paranoid and he was constantly making it about himself and he's running around and he's doing this. You know, it's it can't be there's a good effect in the locker room when that's happening, when you have this coach. And by the way, next year, and this is the problem because next year Salah's going to be, that's it. If Sal, if it doesn't work this year, you know it's it's win or go home for Salah. Like, we talked about this. He might not even make it through the season. He might get fired if he starts the year still, like after all this. My problem is, if this is a guy who's so concerned about himself, and he, and one of the other things in here was him compiling lists and telling people about lists, and we know about this because he told uh, Joe Beningo this, oh, look at all these great coaches who struggled without their quarterbacks. Like He's making excuses for himself, and he's so worried about himself more than he's worried about the team. If he's going into a walk year or a contract year or like a playoff mandate year, how's he going to handle that? A guy who can't even handle the uncertainty. There's uncertainty. That, deal with it. And if he can't handle that, how's he going to handle a year that it's like, if you don't win, you're definitely getting fired without completely imploding? I mean, you're talking about 30 sources. There's 53 players on a roster. If you're talking about 30 sources, <laughs> that's a majority... <laughs> That's a majority of the team. Are you talking well, about? Well, there's coaching, guy? there's coaching staff. I mean, and we even worse now. Rex Hogan gets they even, mutually agreed to part ways right after. You think Rex Hogan went out and said something? Uh, uh, and I'm probably an hour sure. after this comes out. Uh, uh, and I'm probably sure more than that is talking. Janitor, <laughs> the cafeteria, the chefs, everyone's talking about this, right? But at the end of the day, um, if you see this as an owner and as a, as the boss man, Woody Johnson. And you see 30 un, unknown sources around your organization talking about this, discussing this, the, the the state of the team, bringing him back. That is not that is going to linger. That's going to linger. And let me tell you something. I've been a part of teams where a coach has mentioned, hey, you coward, you, you unknown source. Come out. Why, why, why don't you be a man? and come out and there's been times where you kind of have an idea of which player said what what based on the statement and now as a head coach why would you want to return to an organization where teams people don't have your back that's safe to say, right? It's safe to say yeah. that those 30 sources do not have your back. They do not have 100%. your best interest. Maybe they yeah. heard some some things you said Maybe maybe now it's okay. We don't believe in this guy. He turned his back. I turned my back. And this is an ultimate team sport. From players to coaches, if you want to win, you have to you have to all collectively be on the same page. And for 30 unnamed sources comes out. I think is as a as as a owner, I think it's time to evaluate the entire situation. And make the decision of possibly moving in a new direction. New direction. And it's okay to do it. It's like I said before, it's a business. So if I, if as a business owner, if I, if I get a, a survey and I get these 30 comments or statements made, then what are you saying to your organization? Because it's about the players. Let's be honest. You have to, in order for you to be a successful organization, if you don't hold the players first up first, then you're going to crash. And, I hate to say it, but most of the guys that are making plays are on defense. 
they're on defense. So 30 sources, let's say 10 players on defense. That's almost maybe possibly an entire starting defense that's probably speaking against their head man. I don't know. But I think it's time to probably move into a new direction before it's too, too late. All right. You don't want to ruin another season and then try to rebuild next year. I don't know how that, how that may look, man. Yeah, I agree. And we'll see what happens because as of now, I mean, I'm just checking right now. No, no alerts, you know, still, still the head coach of the Jets. And I don't think that's changing. Like, I'm curious because uh, I know uh, Zach Rosenblatt's going to be on WFAN today with Keith McPherson. I don't think this, they were saying, oh, now he's going to get fired because of this. I think they were saying like, this is crazy. They're going into next year with the same staff, like good luck. And yet with all that, they had the number one defense in the league and you have Aaron Rodgers with a chip on his shoulder coming back angry and wanting to prove a point. And so with all that negative, it feels like you should still have a positive outlook going into next year. Am I wrong? Yeah. I mean, at this point, I don't know what to expect. I don't know what to say. I feel like we're beating a dead horse. I think most of the things that are now coming out, we've talked about early on in our episodes, early on in the season. And, you know, now it's all starting to come forward. And yet, you and I, we cannot control who's in and who's out. I think you would have had an idea of what quarterback you wanted. Same for me as a backup, but it didn't happen. Um, And right now, we're we're right back where we were, what, 13 seasons ago where you haven't yet touched the playoffs. And we had a glimpse of what it's like watching the energy of the Detroit Lions and what they did for that city. And I think it's time for that to come back to New York. And honestly, someone just needs to make the the right decision in the offseason. They need to game plan. This needs to be top priority. I don't know what the senior bowl looks like, combine, no one in that building should be sleeping right now. Um, it needs to be a real true grind to, to get that thing back because you can't have a, a good defense like that two years in a row and watch your season slip through your fingers based on one side of the ball when it's just so easy to put players in position. It is. And, and you know what you know what the problem was early on in the year. It was right there. Quarterback. Just go get a quarterback. A, a quarterback that could help you win. And honestly – it probably be in a different talk. Go get Joe Flacco. You saw what he did for the Browns. Um, I don't know. I'm just on my podcast with my guy, co-host Rami. I don't. I don't know anything about football. You know, it's funny about the Joe Flacco thing. They said in the article they didn't think he was a difference maker, and I, I kind of would have said the same thing. Like at the time, I would have said the same thing. Coming off the years we saw, and then of course we were wrong. Everyone was wrong about that though, uh, because what he went and did in in. Cleveland obviously was a big difference maker. He brought them to the playoffs, uh, got crushed in the playoffs, but he brought they were, them to they the were playoffs. Similar to the Jets, though, they, yep, they were the exact up, same spot. Quarterback. Yep. It was the same spot. They found yep. they went and got four. We didn't go get any. Yep, exactly. No, we you're tell, 100 with Tim Boyle. <laughs> exactly. Who, who I think I have more completions than in college. I think you have more completions than I have in the NFL, too. <laughs> I know it, man. Oh, it's, it's definitely it's a better percentage, man. right? It's, it's um, Yeah. So um, the other thing you mentioned was the uh, the playoff streak. So I mentioned this to you before we started. 
there's rumors now on Jets Twitter. Like everyone's like got their conspiracy theory hat on. Like the, the Jets might be firing Salah. I don't think they are. I think they're going to keep him. I don't think they'd. I, I think they were just waiting for this to blow over. But it happened to have been Robert Salah's birthday yesterday, which is funny that that's when the article came out. But every single year for the last 12 years, the Jets social media would wish Robert Salah or whoever the head coach was, if it was Bulls, if it was Gase, a happy birthday on their Twitter account. And I assume yesterday they just didn't do it because they knew all the replies would be like quotes from the article, you know? So they figured why create more of a headache for Salah, especially if they know one of the things in this piece also was that Salah and Joe and Woody Johnson would read the, the tweets a lot and they'd read what fans are saying on social media, which is also idiotic. Apparently you're not reading the right things, Woody Johnson, because you should see how the fan base actually feels. Start listening to us and you get a real feel for what the, what the fan base thinks. Um, but it was funny. I, the line I saw, somebody tweeted this. And I wish I could give it credit, but they broke the streak of wishing the head coach a happy birthday every single season, every single year. They broke that streak before they broke their playoff drought streak. So that's that was a kind of funny, not that funny thing that I saw. <laughs> so now I guess we know the expectations for the organization. I don't know. Um, yeah, maybe they could break the streak also. Maybe, maybe the media team forgot. I don't know. Maybe they forgot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. they just, maybe they were trying to cover so much for everything else that they just it just slipped their minds when they saw 30 sources yeah. just coming out. And now everybody's in the building. Like, who said what, 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 what? Now they're looking at Oh, who knows? Here. Maybe the social maybe the social media team got fired because they were one of the 30 sources. <laughs> you know? <laughs> probably. I mean, they're probably there. They have some good footage. They could go to Diana Rossini and be like, look, I actually have video footage of Robert Sala saying, oh, what was me? This is my bad luck. Just imagine like a guy walking around, the guy who walks around like such a tough guy in the media. He runs the stairs before the games and he talks big game. And then he goes in the room and he's like crying and throwing chairs at people like, why is this happening to me? No, not why is it happening to you? You're doing it to yourself, buddy. All right. It just, the whole thing drives me insane. So let's get into it. Hopefully next episode is more of a positive episode. We'll talk Super Bowl. We'll talk preview. Bilal, you'll be out there in Vegas. So we'll do two episodes next week, one later in the week. Uh, once you're in Vegas. So until next time, everyone, if you could please like, subscribe, share the podcast with a friend, we greatly appreciate that. Hopefully we'll have more positive episodes coming down the road. Rex? Let's go to eat a damn snack. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.